0: Welcome to the Davidson Day Community Podcast. My name is Pete Moore, Head of School at Davidson Day. Each episode, you will meet different members of our supportive and diverse community. You'll hear fascinating stories from parents, board members, alumni, and the wonderful people who work at Davidson Day. In this episode of the Davidson Day Community Podcast, I have this pleasure of speaking with Lexi Justice and Cameron Baker. Lexi and Cameron are seniors at Davidson Day and will graduate in May 2022. They are remarkable young people who care a lot about others and about making Davidson Day a better place. They are co-presidents of Davidson Day's Student Diversity Council, members of the school's Diversity Advisory Committee, and hosts of the DDS Diversity Council podcast, which you can find on Spotify. Lexi and Cameron, thank you for giving up your time to chat with me today.
1: Of course, we're really happy to do it.
2: Yeah, of course.
0: So just to kick off, how old were you when you started at Davidson Day? And what are some of your fondest memories from that time? So Cameron, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, so I was nine years old when I started at Davidson Day. I came in second grade. And I think some of my fondest memories from that time just had to do with how welcoming the community was. I was moving from um, Tennessee, Chattanooga. I was a little bit nervous. I definitely was a shy kid and just coming into a different place and being with people I had never been around. And I just was so welcomed in and I think just encouraged to explore what my interests were, even as a kid. Miss Langley is someone who I remember very specifically just being encouraged to just learn about art and like explore my creativity. And that was something I wasn't entirely used to from my old school. I was a new student and she just completely brought me in. And so I think that's definitely something that sticks out in my mind.
0: And what was that change like when you were that age? Do you remember the first day sort of walking into school? How, how did that go?
2: I remember the day that I shadowed. It was actually, it's funny because I shadowed at a few different schools when I was visiting and I remember that Davidson Day completely shocked me. It was the last place I looked at. And I remember before I came, I was like, I'm not going to like this place at all. And wasn't really basing that off of anything. So I was just a kid. But I came in and it just was completely different. It just, in my head, I remember it just being so warm. Other places, I just kind of felt, you know, isolated and everyone had their friend groups. But Davidson Day, I came in and it's even like, I'm sure Lexi was one of those people who was so kind to me. And I felt like it was a place I could see myself being until I graduated.
0: That's wonderful. It's great to hear. And Lexi, what's your journey?
2: I came here as an Eaglet, so when I was three years old, and to
1: be honest, I don't really remember much from when I was three years old, but I do remember being pretty upset because I had to leave my parents. But I felt like really safe at Davidson Day and I really looked up to all of the older kids. So I would say one of my fondest memories was probably just walking down the hall because we would all hold hands to go from class to class and just feeling like feeling like it was okay to be away from my parents.
0: What's that like? You've been at this school really as long as you can remember. You've basically grown up here. What's that journey been like for you?
1: It's honestly been amazing. I feel like Davidson Day is kind of like a home. I look forward to come back after summer break. And I just feel like every part of the hallway, when I walk down, I have memories there and I know some of the teachers there. And I can just see my personal growth journey as I walk around the school.
0: And the two of you seem quite close now. When did your friendship begin?
1: I think we got super close in middle school, I'd say. What do you think, Cameron?
2: I mean, it's one of those things where we've gone to such a small school, so you're kind of friends with everyone. I would even say like high school, starting to go into that, and it's just completely different. And Lexi someone who... I felt like we were on the same level of maturity. We're dealing with similar things. And she's just the person that I would turn to for everything because we've obviously gone to school together for a long time. We were definitely friends, but it wasn't like the kind of deep bond I feel like we have now. And that's come from just going through things together and knowing that we had someone to turn to.
1: Yeah, exactly. And also, I would add, I think we both share the same passions and we both care a lot about diversity and making a difference. And that kind of brought us together, too.
0: That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing. And you've both, again, been here for quite a while. If you were to sort of reflect on some of your favorite experiences, what are some of the ones that first come to mind across the whole spectrum of your time here? Lexi, you want to go first?
1: I would say some of my favorite memories were probably in middle school, the class trips, because that's when we all really got to bond with our teachers and with each other. But in high school, I would say watching the senior speeches each year, what each senior has to say has been one of my favorite memories.
0: And yours is coming up. Have you started thinking about what you want to say?
1: I've been brainstorming, but I'm kind of at a writer's block because there's just so much I want to say.
0: And what about you, Cameron?
2: For me, it's honestly been the relationships I feel like I've built, especially with teachers, because it's such a unique experience. And when I talk to any of my friends who go to different schools, it's something that is so truly unique to Davidson Day to have such strong student teacher relationships and just all of this like support you receive. But I really felt like everyone, my teachers and like college counselors were pushing me to maximize my time here and get to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish and cared about like, my individual goals. I wasn't just another student.
0: Yeah, it's great to hear. When I think about my high school experience in Australia, we don't have middle school, so elementary school is kindergarten through sixth grade, then high school is seventh through twelfth grade, and so I started in beginning of seventh grade, and then I'm going to high school with people driving cars and I'm like still playing my Star Wars toys. I just felt so lost. It was a large public high school. And then when I see the connections that people talk so funnily about here that students have with their teachers, it's really special. And it's I'm well out of high school, but quite envious that people have because it can be such a, a lonely time being a teenager, right? And just having people that I see here that are guiding the children, the young people through that, it's really something very, very special. And I'm so glad you feel that. So now you're nearing the end of your high school journey. Where do each of you plan to go to college and what led to that choice? So Cameron, we'll start with you.
2: So I'm going to NC State. I made my decision a few weeks ago. I'm super excited. Honestly, it's kind of funny. It's the same thing with day over today, like what happened at first. I remember first looking at colleges and I was like, I'm not going to want to go to NC State. And then I visited I just felt like I could see myself there. It felt so welcoming. And then it felt like the people there, I could see myself being in one of them way before that. My family has a history of just loving NC State. My dad didn't go there and his dad, my peepaw, I was really close to him before he passed away and he was a fanatic for NC State. He was obsessed with him. He anytime we go and visit my Mima's house, she has a little shrine for him and it's just NC State stuff everywhere. When I went on that campus, I felt so connected to him. And then obviously like the academics there are incredible. That's what really pushed me in that direction.
0: So you mentioned though you're a little bit resistant. Why did you feel so resistant, you think?
2: I think it's kind of the teenage thing of you don't want to do what your parents are telling you and pushing you because my dad was so excited that I was looking at it. Oh, I want to go out of state and I want to do all these different things. But then as soon as I was on that campus, I found it for myself. I think that's ultimately what it was. I wanted to feel like it was a decision I was going to come to on my own and wasn't like pushed into it. And so as soon as I found how much I loved it just because of me and because of the connection I felt, then that's what led me to choosing it.
0: What an awesome story. And Lexi...
2: I'm going to be going to Duke University,
1: and I applied early decision, so that is binding, but I'm actually really excited about it. I grew up like a Duke basketball fan, and I kind of always had in my brain that I really wanted to go there, but it's like a really hard university, so I wasn't convinced. Junior year, I went through this phase where I was like, I don't want to go to college in North Carolina. I've lived here my whole life. I've gone to the same school. I want a drastic change. And then I spent the summer in California, and I realized that was way too far, and I like missed home. So I finally decided to apply Early Decision to Duke because it was close to home and it's a top 10 university and it's a smaller environment just like here.
0: Congratulations, both of you. And so what was the college admissions process like for both of you?
1: It was definitely stressful for me just because it was gathering all the things that you've worked on since the beginning of high school and deciding what was important, what you wanted to write about, what you really wanted them to know about you because you can't give them your whole life story. but I mean, just like Ms. Hill and Ms. Barnes, everyone was helping you and I felt like I gave it my all.
0: We have people's part of this community and not familiar with the, the American college admissions process. So you mentioned that you were early decision, is that right?
1: Yes, I was.
0: And so what exactly does that mean?
1: So if you apply early decision to a school, that's binding. So you're showing this is where I wanna go. And so if you get accepted early decision, That's where you're going and you have to withdraw your other applications and then you're already enrolled right there.
0: And how early did you find that out?
1: I found out December 16th, I believe.
0: What's that like then? The reason I ask, in Australia and other countries, you have to sit at end of high school exam. Those exams determine your grade and then what colleges you'll get into. So the thought of actually knowing like six months out before you're actually in college you know where you're going it's so interesting you've now done with the college admissions process you were done by winter break how's that been
1: it feels like all the pressure that i'd always put on myself to get straight a's and to do everything i can all the time it's like all the pressure is off but yet i still try to do those things but i kind of do it for myself so it makes it much more
2: enjoyable
0: and cameron what about you you mentioned a little bit about the process how was that for you
2: so i applied early action to 11 schools. I definitely was stressed out about it. And in December, after I had already sent on my early action, I applied to three more schools just in one night. I wanted more options because. Our graduating class, its everyone's very qualified and capable of getting into all these schools. And so I think there was a bit more of a pressure because you want everyone to succeed, but then it's also like you're looking out for yourself. You want to be there for each other, but then you also want to take pride in what you've accomplished. And it's hard to cheer somebody else on too if you weren't succeeding in that way. One thing our college counselors were always telling us is that comparison is going to be the thief of your happiness, your joy in the process, because it is exciting. You know, you're seeing where you're going to spend your next four years So for me, I think that I felt the stress of that, but I also had a lot of faith that the hard work that I did was going to pay off. I knew that I was going to end up somewhere where I could accomplish what I was setting out to do.
0: And when you go to a college prep school like ours, then the whole concept of going to college is sort of ever-present, right? Is there now a big weight lifted?
2: I mean, part of going to a school like ours is that You learn to always do your best, no matter who is watching or what the outcome of that is going to be. It's just to hold yourself accountable and be self-reliant and self-advocating is kind of what we're always taught. And so I think now knowing where we're both going, at least for me, it definitely is a weight off because I feel secure and like I know where I'm going to end up. But at the same time, it doesn't make me want to achieve any less and work any less hard.
0: And Lexi, anything else you want to share about that?
1: I feel the same exact way. I still have pretty high standards for myself in that I still want to do good on my exams and get good grades. And colleges do, or my college at least, still requires your end of semester grades. So, But it definitely is some security there.
0: Yeah, it's just such a different model, right? The HSC, the high school certificate, you'd finish school and then you probably have about two weeks, 10 days, and then the exams were looming. It was very stressful. So the thought of being able to enjoy the last little bit of school is, I really like that here in the US. So switching gears are, a little bit. What I'd like to talk about is leadership and just your work with our student diversity council and everything else you you've done to help improve Davidson Day. So you're both leaders here at our school. Do you find that is an innate personality trait for you or did Davidson Day help you develop that quality?
1: For me, it was definitely a quality that I Davidson Day helped me find in myself. I struggled with confidence a lot, especially in middle school and freshman and sophomore year and I would always just go with what people told me to do, more of a background person, a follower. And it was honestly because Jaden Graham and Sydney Brown last year started the council, and I was a speaker on one of the forums, speaking in front of everyone about something that it was really personal. That really helped me find my voice and my confidence. I like ran for student government. Me and Cameron took on the Her Drive. I felt empowered in that I had power and a voice to make a change.
0: That's wonderful to hear. Thank you. And Cameron?
2: i definitely always been a shy person and a little bit more reserved, especially when I was in middle school and I was much different than I am now. And kind of going back to what I said earlier about the student teacher relationships, I had a lot of teachers in middle school that saw that I had something to say, but wasn't always the first one to say it and really just would push me to get outside of my comfort zone and just take risks with what I felt and what I thought. One of the first times I started to really take action on that was when we had our moving up ceremony for eighth grade. And I was one of the speakers at our moving up ceremony. And it was something I was so uncomfortable with. I didn't want to speak in front of anybody, but Mr. Hunt and Miss McAllister and Mr. Sturm, they all pushed me to just do something that put me out of my comfort zone, but would help me grow. From there, we started Diversity Council. It just was a repeating cycle of such great support from my parents and my family and my friends, but also the faculty just really pushing me to do something that made me uncomfortable. But it was finding that part of myself. I feel like I do have kind of a trait of leader, but it's not something that I was always willing to take action on. And so while I think it was there, I wouldn't have been able to bring it out the way I did without the people at Davidson Day.
0: It's really interesting hearing your perspectives about this. I have been really obsessed with leadership for a long time. And my journey to it was rather circuitous. I played soccer at a relatively high level in high school. Then I started playing semi-professionally while I was at high school. And that led me to go and play in England. And then just realizing that hard work equals... Success, right? If you put the hours in, then it'll make a difference. And then I work with people who were really great at leading groups of people, and they were mainly at the time coaches. And they also worked with people who weren't very good at that. And just seeing the difference that that made, and then realized that like leadership was a skill that can be taught, and that it's like anything. If you practice it enough, if you learn enough, then you'll get better at it. And you're co-chairs of the Diversity Council this year. For those not familiar with it, can you explain what the Diversity Council is?
2: So the Diversity Council is kind of like a club, but our goal is to cover different topics of diversity and give students the chance to hear each other's experiences and share their own and be able to walk away from it with a new understanding of the people who are in our community, but also some that are outside of it. It's important to be aware of what's in our community, but also outside of it and what people are experiencing. And I think the biggest thing for me is knowing what the people You see in the hallway and in the classroom every day, like the things that they're going through that you wouldn't always know, and the best way to approach situations when you're interacting with them.
0: And what does diversity mean to you? Lexi, do you want to take that?
1: To me, diversity is something that makes you different. I don't think diversity can be defined by anyone. I think it's different for every single individual. It can be any topic, it can be mental health, it can be race, it can be gender. It can be sexual orientation. There's a lot of different types of diversity. Whatever people want to share, or what experiences they want to bring and want people to understand, is acceptable to be diverse.
0: Something I heard once, which I really love, they said that diversity includes everyone. When you think about such a broad range of spectrum of views and approaches and backgrounds, diversity isn't about that group or this group. It's about how do we create a very inclusive environment where people genuinely feel like they belong and that whatever organization or club or sporting team or whatever, it's a place for them. Thanks, Lexi. And why is this area really important to you, Cameron?
2: One thing I wanted to add too is I haven't always known how I would define diversity either. A lot of times it's something that makes you feel alone, but then when you talk about it, it makes you realize that you're not. That goes into also why it's important to me. When I first started getting involved in diversity council, it was when we had the topic of gender equity last year. And Lexi and I both talked on that. And it was a way for us to promote her drive, but also was sharing our own experiences. It was important to me because it was one of the first times I had said something that, again, made me feel alone. But then talking about it made me feel like I wasn't. And that there were people there who, even if they didn't share the same experience, would support me for feeling the way that I did And knowing how good that felt for myself, I wanted to be a part of what could do that for other people.
0: And I was a young person a long, long time ago. Sometimes it's hard to think back at that time and remember it accurately. What are some of the things you think that make young people feel most alone at the moment?
1: Just from my personal experience as a little, little kid, my diversity was like, you could see it. I was different skin tone than all of my classmates People would point it out and I just would kind of laugh at it. And it was always so repressed. And I think the reason why people feel so alone is because it's so normalized to point it out, to make people feel ostracized because of their diversity or even diversity that you can't really see. You can just feel alone when people don't even make an effort to try to understand you, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Cameron, anything you'd add to that? What, what do you think makes people feel alone?
2: I think what makes people feel alone, specifically as a teenager, you start to have these experiences that you wouldn't have had as a kid, and you don't talk to anybody about that. And I think that's what makes a lot of kids and young adults feel alone is that they just feel like what they're going through is so weird or different, whether it's something with diversity or just a personal experience as you're growing up. And you don't talk to anyone about it. So you feel like it's just you that's going through it. And that nobody else has ever experienced that. People don't always want to jump to speak about their experience because they're afraid of being judged or just being left out or just cornered in some way. And there's a big social aspect to everything. That's what makes people end up feeling alone is they just don't voice what they're going through. But as soon as you do, you realize that it's something that everybody experiences, or at least some people do, and you can like bond with them over that. It's isolating if you don't end up voicing what you're going through.
0: One of the things we really want to happen at our school is that our students can come to school and be themselves. And that... It's not always easy, right? Because you do worry about judgment. You do worry about what people will think. How authentically you do you feel you can be?
1: That's a hard question because I honestly think it depends on the teacher for me because, to be honest, the students I'm around, especially being a senior, I really couldn't care less about what they think about me. But my teachers, I want their respect. I want them to like me. I I like being liked. And a lot of my teachers, I feel like I can be fully myself around because they laugh with me and they make me feel comfortable. But then there's also the teachers who are more serious, which I totally respect and want to be serious around them as well. So I think it really depends on the teacher and who I'm around. But overall, I would say I'm very much myself at school much more than I used to be when I was more of a (laughs) preteen.
0: Cameron, what about you?
2: I would say about the same. I'm pretty much myself all the time at school. and But again, that wasn't a position I always feel like I was in because you want to be liked and you want to be accepted. That kind of quickly went away from moving into high school because of how welcoming all the teachers are and like the students As you start to realize that nobody really cares. Everyone's so focused on themselves that you can be yourself and nobody's really watching. But at the same time, I started to realize that if I wasn't myself, I wasn't going to get out of the experience something that would be valuable to me. One thing I did was I was the only kid in my class that took the composition class sophomore year. I took it a year early so I could take more science classes. I was with a bunch of the seniors at the time. I knew that I was going to be alone in that, but doing that was going to give me what I wanted out of it.
0: Both of you serve on the school's diversity advisory committee, which has administrators at the school, teachers at the school. Both of you are there to sort of help guide the thoughts and the conversation you could have got involved in many areas of the school, the Student Diversity Council. Why was this so important for you to get involved in?
1: I mean, I've been here since I was three. Like I said before, this council was the first time that the school had ever allowed discussion for this because it is it can be a sensitive topic. Like I said before, I repressed everything that I felt with my diversity and all of a sudden people could talk about it openly. The first time that I was able to talk about it, it honestly changed my life. I want to help give that experience to everyone because it helped me realize I'm not alone and I have a voice. And I really
2: want everyone in the school to have that opportunity that I had.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Cameron, what about you?
2: It really started with the gender equity topic. We had started getting involved with HerDrive, which is a nonprofit organization that collects menstrual products and things of that sort for people who don't have access to it. And I think that What Lexi and I talk about is we just kind of at that point started to feel something within ourselves, just kind of fire and a drive to do something different. And that was going to make an impact bigger than ourselves. We did that with her drive beyond the school, but that wasn't enough. When we feel like that fire and that passion, we want to ignite that in other people. So it keeps burning even when we're gone.
0: Well said. The legacy thing is so important and making sure that the work is sustainable. And that's what was really cool about Jaden and Sydney did is that they laid a platform for which other people can build on, which you have done this year. And it's been incredibly impressive. It's great for me as an employee at the school to see young people really stepping up and making a difference. I hope that you get from it and other people involved is that if you wanna make a change, then it's possible, right? You have to put in the work, you have to dedicate your time, but if you wanna make things better, you can, but it's not always easy. You have some people who feel you're doing too much, some people that feel you're not doing it enough, right? How do you strike that balance of really doing work that is lasting and meaningful, but is bringing everyone along? And that's what's been fun with working with Sydney and Jaden last year and the two of you this year is that how thoughtful you have been about how do we bring people along. What's great about this is that I think this work will carry on for years and years to come because you've brought such sort of thoughtfulness to it. The final question I have before we move into our rapid fire questions is, it's fun doing a podcast with you because you are podcasters yourself, but so you've created your own podcast. So why did you decide to start the podcast? And for those who don't know, you can search in Spotify for DDS Diversity Council Podcast. How did that come about?
2: I'm going to let Lexi explain this. I want to give her full credit for the idea of it because when we were reaching the end of the year last year and had our big goals this was something that she thought of on her own and wanted to bring into fruition.
1: I was thinking at the end of last year, after we had so many successful forums, of how we could keep that going, but at the same time bring something new into the council for this year. And I was thinking that the forums were always this big deal in front of everyone. I was thinking if there was a way that we could interview people individually where it's not in front of everyone, they can really just be themselves themselves. And a podcast came to mind because you can really get to know who's speaking personally and what they've been through. And they don't feel as much pressure when they're speaking, and you can really get to understand them better. But I definitely couldn't have done it without Cameron. What I admire about her is like when she has something on her mind,
2: she gets it done.
0: And you both ask really good questions. How do you come about the questions that you ask?
2: It depends on the person, too, because we have the very unique opportunity of really knowing the people even if we don't know them well knowing them enough to think what's going to get a good answer out of them their experience too i think we just start from the big idea question what does diversity or like this area of diversity mean to you and then really a lot branches from there so they are talking about what they're most passionate about because that's how we get the best answers
0: fantastic yes that's a wonderful way to go about doing it And now we're gonna move into our rapid fire questions. So we'll alternate this. So Lexi, you go first and then we'll go to Cameron and then vice versa for the other question. And so what is the book or books you most frequently recommend to others?
1: I'm definitely not an avid book reader, but one of my favorite books is the classic Pride and Prejudice.
0: When did you first read that?
1: I actually read that last year and I watched the movie first, which probably is good, but then I read the book and I loved it. I just love the story.
0: Yeah. Cameron?
2: It's a bit want to forget, so I have a mini stack with me. This is more of like a sentimental one, but Visionary Woman by Andrea Barnett. I was given to this at our eighth grade commencement. We each got a book that teachers felt represented like who we are and stuff. So this was more of a sentimental thing I was given by Madame Suley Marks. That's one of my favorites. It's about Rachel Carson, Jane Jacobs, Jane Goodall, and Alice Waters. This is actually one that we read in. AP literature this year, but it's called Poisonwood Bible by Barbara King Yeah,
0: it's beautiful.
2: It's a family and you're navigating this unique experience that they're going through in the Congo. Very unique how they come together, but are also separated ultimately. And I think that that's part of why it's my favorite, it's such a good story. And just to see how a bunch of different characters are growing and changing at the same time.
0: Wow, thank you. And we'll stay with you, Cameron. What are some of the things that you love doing in your free time?
2: Actually, one of my favorite things to do is to go thrifting and antiquing. When I was younger, I had like a teacup collection and all of this stuff. There's this antique mall in Charlotte that has been my favorite place. It's called Sleepy Poet. I actually went this past weekend. There's so many fond memories there with my friends and my family. I've taken Lexi there before, and it's just this place filled with a bunch of unique stuff. It's kind of become a passion of mine because everything there has a different story and a past, and it all ends up in the same place finding ways to stay active, whether that's getting outside and getting some fresh air. And I think that's helpful for me when I'm stressed to kind of gain a new perspective and be healthy. Lexi and I go to the gym all the time, just doing stuff like that. But I would say thrifting and then finding ways to just get outside and be active.
0: Wow, cool. Lexi.
1: For me, probably playing golf with my dad and my brother. I love golf. It exercises my mind and My body at the same time, and it's not quick paced. I would also agree with Cameron in going outside, but probably my favorite thing to do is just chillax with my friends. Just like watch a movie or go for a drive. Just do something wholesome.
0: And Lexi, staying with you, if you could learn a new skill, what would it be and why?
1: It would definitely be learning a new language. I've been taking French since middle school, but I really want to learn Spanish because one of my best friends, her whole family speaks Spanish, and that would just be more helpful, but also it's just a language that I feel like you can use all over.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Cameron?
2: I would definitely want to do something more creative. I think I used to be a lot more involved with art and just anything under that field. I tried knitting a few months ago. Didn't really work out for me. <laughs> I would probably... Want to learn just like to create something, like maybe painting. That's something I'll definitely try just because of the kind of person I am. I'll get to it one day. To be really skilled at that, I have such an incredible ability to express yourself.
0: This next one is, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? So, Cameron, you want to start this one?
2: I think that just knowing that things can just completely change. I'm kind of an anxious person. And so whenever I've had a bad day or something, a mental like mantra I tell myself is the sun is always going to rise. And it's really simple. When I start to get really stressed about something, it kind of calms me down to know that the day is always going to begin and end. Knowing that like if something really just out of left field is thrown at me or I have a really awful day and things are not going my way, that there is still just always going to be the beginning and the end of the day and it's going to start over again.
0: Wow. Thank you. Lexi?
1: For me, I would say I have a really good determination in that when I set my mind to something, I do it. And I think the best habit I made was learning how to prioritize what's important to me. And if something really matters to me, I'm going to make time for it no matter how much schoolwork I have. And I think learning how to prioritize and not getting over flooded with things to do really helps me.
0: And we have a few more. What advice would you give someone wanting to make a positive difference? So Lexi, you kick off this one.
1: I would say something similar to what I just said. If it really matters to you, then follow your gut and just do what you want to do. And don't worry about what other people think. Don't worry about what drawbacks you would get. But just make a difference. Just
2: do it.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Cameron?
2: I would say to be persistent. This is one of the biggest lessons I learned through her Drive because it was one of the first things I had done that was outside of school, because here, I mean, we're so blessed to have so many people who are supportive and going to give you everything you need to accomplish what you want. But really, when you get outside of that community, you're going to be faced with a lot of people who say no. And that's what I was faced with. Like when we were trying to get people to donate is there was a lot of no. And it really can get you down. And you just are like, okay, well, nobody cares. I'm not going to do this. What I found in myself is that I just had to keep pushing kind of what Lexi was saying, it's a mix of just sticking to your gut and knowing that even if you're in the minority of something, that doesn't mean it's wrong and you should stick to what you believe and just be unwavering in what you're trying to accomplish.
0: This is amazing, like such great advice for everyone, both of those answers. And the final question is, and Cameron, you can take it away, what inspires you?
2: What inspires me is just the people that I'm around every day, friends and family. It's inspiring to me because I've been surrounded by adults and peers who have accomplished such wonderful things. I get to be proud of that, and it makes me want to do better. One thing I always hear that I feel like is important to remind yourself of is that you are the one taking the action, and people don't make you do anything. People can push you to want to be better. The people around me make me want to be better for myself, but also for them.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And Lexi?
1: I would agree with exactly what Cameron said, but... I would definitely say my family is my biggest source of inspiration and in that my mom, she works extremely hard, but she's still kind and she finds time for her family and what matters to her. And my dad, is he has the same determination that I have, and when he sets his mind to something, he does it. My brother is probably my biggest inspiration. He does golf, school, and he's starting the Positive Social Change Group, and he handles so much and he does it all so well. I don't know how he does it, but he inspires me probably the most out of anyone.
2: I have to give Randy a shout out since he has also been on your podcast.
0: It's our first father-daughter combo.
2: My mom and dad, they definitely have had a very blessed life, but they have worked for everything that they've gotten. And that's one thing that I hope to do too. They're a big inspiration for me because I, growing up, have just seen everything that they have fought for, for our family, but also just for other people and for themselves. My mom, she has had her share of health issues and things in her life that she has had to persevere through and is the toughest and kindest woman that I just have ever met. And it's it's so cliche to say that your mom is the strongest person in the world, but Nancy is the strongest person in the world. When you have parents like that who go through the craziest things and just brush it off and get up and are still as sweet and just strong as they were the day before, it is very hard to not want to get up and do something good.
0: This has been truly amazing. I am very, very lucky that I get to um, spend time with both of you on the different groups that we're a part of and learn from you. And it's it's been fun seeing both of you grow in confidence and, and all you've done for our school. I'm tremendously grateful for it. So thank you so much for your time today. I thoroughly enjoyed this, and I'm sure people thoroughly enjoy listening to it as well. So thank you both.
2: Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Davidson Day School Community Podcast, which is hosted by Pete Moore, head of school at Davidson Day. The podcast is recorded on campus in the heart of the Lake Norman area. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear them. Email your thoughts to podcasts at davidsonday.org. That's podcasts at davidsonday.org.